All right, Mozart in the Jungle. We're going to discuss uh, episode five and six. Linda has got some news on season five. And I also want to get down to this serious topic, the serious quote of the episode. I'm curious to see how a robot audience will react. We've got to dissect that and find out why that is so important in this scene and in this episode. So let's get into two episodes right now. Mozart in the Jungle after show starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion. After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. Hey. One of these days, these boots are, are gonna, gonna walk all over you. Well. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Uh, they are walking, and we had a great scene with that song. A we little did. old school Nancy Sinatra. Um, what's up, everybody? My name is Ronnie uh, for the after show of Mozart in the Jungle. Hi, guys. Linda Antwi here. And Linda Antwi has a really great uh, news report. We will get into that as well. Um, shouting out our booth, we have last week we had Engineer Bree. This week we have Engineer Anthony, who I believe you watched the show also. Yes, I watched the show and I watched with the blood. That's what I did. The ah, blood. Yeah. The love. That's the only way to watch. I That's watched right. the blood. Anthony, question to you before we get started here. What, why were you drawn to this show? Oh, funny enough. I started watching this show uh, one night and I just got like really shwasted watching it. And I just couldn't stop <laughs> watching it. And I just loved it. I fell in love immediately. And um, it, just, it just drew me to it. It was just so new and so something that was so far removed from everything else that I watch. That just int- it int- 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 intrigued me so much. And I love Gael Garcia Bernal, so I was just yeah. like, yes. And also, Haile is so cute to me. Yeah. Uh, so she, she, she's, she's, yeah. I do feel like that this show does that. It's like so many walks of life follow the show. I think there's a misconception that like only a certain, uh, you know, orchestra, I don't know, people who follow that type of culture. No, the show is so much beyond like, you know, what it's set up to be. I mean, it definitely is a feel good. It makes you feel good, and I think that anyone wants them feel good. Yeah. So we I, can re- anyone can really relate to it. Yeah, I'm very curious. As I was saying, uh, the line that really got me. There were so many of these two episodes, but I'm curious to see how a robot audience uh, will receive the work. You know, this is this is what Gael uh, Garno, uh, Garcia Bernal, uh, as Rodrigo said. Oh, quick note. We'll get to that. Quick note, Linda. Last week there was so much going on, and we had new show notes, and we had. Um, you know, just different things within the series itself. Um, I was working on all of those different things, and you know that I accidentally missed the basics of uh, Gael's name. I called him uh, Gabriel. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, uh, it's just funny because like we were doing new show notes, bringing you new new things to the show, and we, we're talking about the musical Ephemera, which was also like in the show because they were having a disagreement on like who said what or how it was said. So I put so much focus on stuff like that, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I just like went ahead and just gave him a different name. I felt horrible as an avid fan of his work, and just I think he's delightful as Rodrigo. So of course I know his name's Gael. I just think I messed up with the Garcia and Bernal, and I felt so stupid, Linda. Well, now you have corrected it, so it's all good. I'm I like sure. to be transparent in that way, so, yep. you know, yep. I'm still into it. It just, you know, this is why it happened. Um, let's go with episode number five. This is called The Coach, which is so pivotal because Haley is in that moment where she is looking for the coach, and we know that she has selected Rodrigo. They are in the orbit. What are your overall thoughts right off the top? Of the episode? Yeah, let's go into this episode unless there's something that really sticks out on both. Um, I, I mean, it was a great episode. I think that both for uh, episode five and six were 
just packed with so much good stuff. And, you know, you just fall in love with Haley all over again. You fall in love with her journey, being a conductor and, and, and the competition and all of that. So, I, I mean, they were great overall. Loved it. Um, what I received immediately was I loved how um, she's working on the Molto, Molto uh, Accelerando. See, there I go with the names, you know, focusing on that and then messing the other ones up. But nonetheless, she's working on the project. She's talking about how it sounds like it's a rewinding noise. She's very focused. Rodrigo sort of isn't, mm-hmm. but it, it calls this really part uh, important part of the scene that they realize uh, Sean and his boyfriend, they well, Sean specifically, who is practicing in the other room, doesn't have the chops to to stay with her ensemble. Um, she struggles with that. How would you have taken that? Rodrigo gave her advice, but how would you take that when you have to work on a project and your friends... I mean, it's hard, right? You don't ever want to hurt your friend's feelings or your roommate's feelings or someone that you're close to. But then I also understand where she was coming from because this is her future. And if she hears it and it's off, it would, it's going to be hard for her <clears throat> to move forward um, because it's her future. This is what she, this is the moment that she's been building up to. And so if it's not perfect for her in her mind, yeah. then she's got to make some changes. True, and but it, w- with support, the opposite end though. Rodrigo had said, "Well, I don't know if it was the opposite end, but he had mentioned that yes, it is the opposite end. <laughs> Let me tell you what it is. Um, he had mentioned, well, when I started with you guys, the, you know, the symphony." There was, you know, a great percentage of people that I were didn't think were up to par and wanted to get rid of. I ended up liking you. I ended up kept keeping you guys. Um, you know, obviously she's not in the symphony, but like it was kind of the opposite of what he was preaching to her to go tell Sean. Yeah, so. but it's a completely different situation because he's already made it in his career, and mm. it's easy to work with people on a longer term basis and get them to where you need to be than to be in a competition and have a one of. And that person's not there. It's a completely different situation. Yeah. I, I was trying to perspect, uh, put the perspective in my own head how I would deal with it. And one of the things I always try to rule by is this term that I just really say to myself, like, oh, what is the worth value? Like, you know, it, it is me, I don't want to say dissing my friends, but, you know, causing uh, a, 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 you know, a problem in the friendship. Is that going to be long term more challenging or are these friends so good with me that I'm going to make the right decision for me and they're going to eventually understand and they're going to ultimately be people that are always going to want to see me shine in my career, not just this blip of where I'm trying to, you know, grow. Got uh, it. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was a little hard, you know, for, for her, uh, but she makes the right decision and they're both out. So not only is she challenged by, you know, last week's episode, it was like, which uh, piece to, to pick? And the other challenge was Thomas is not her coach. I mean, there's a lot of challenges and now she's got to get rid of two guys. Um, but she did it so tenacious. I, I've, I saw some badassness in her. Yeah, I think that, again, her journey is only making her stronger. And I think that every obstacle that she has to go through to get there is making her, like you said, a badass. Yeah. What do you think the point of Liberace <laughs> coming back into Rodrigo's life? He well, is- Liberace was Rodrigo's new muse, right? Liberace is more uh, like <clears throat> Rodrigo in that he's more eccentric. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, more modern. So I think that when Liberace came back and he was telling him to play the melody, not just the spiritual struggle with the Requiem, that was an important moment for Rodrigo, almost an enlightening moment, because he says uh, in the episode... 
before this and the one after this, he keeps mentioning how he's not, he's lost his muse and he's not hearing the music. Yeah. So Liberace was there to not only inspire him, but to be his muse. True. But I felt like he inspired him in a way of like, he not, he didn't dismiss him, but he inspired him in a way of like, oh, just cut the check. Like, he was he was an inspiration for the business of an artist, but he wasn't the inspiration for the you know inner workings that make an artist want to perform. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a guy who says, "Screw what he was." Tr-. I think he said something about "Screw what Mozart was trying to interpret." Just go with the melody. So that was a dismissal of the actual work. First of all, then he goes on to say, like you you know we're talking about um, you know do you see what I'm getting at? I I do, but. I just yeah I, I get I see what you're saying I just don't agree with you but I I, I get your point of view for no sure. I think I think for sure though I think he for sure was dismissing the craft and that's the what Rodrigo although he's happy to hear it but he's you know it's not what's it's not the blood what, that's my question to you was Liberace was he well, the things that he was saying were those comments that are from the blood well from the blood means with love playing with love and they weren't. I mean, again, we're going to have to agree to disagree. My my take on that uh, situation was that he was saying, play the happy parts. Play the parts that make you happy in the Requiem. And even when Liberace left, he said, I see sadness in you, and I don't do sadness. And so the whole point for me was that Liberace was trying to encourage him to hear the music again and and hear the happiness and be the happiness of the Requiem to be inspired again. Mm. So I don't think it was about the business because Liberace was never about business. If you know anything about his history, he was flamboyant. He was super talented, but he was also about the showmanship, which he even said in the last episode, you're like me like this. Like you like the showmanship of the music. So that's how I took it. No, you might be right on a lot of levels too. And it might've also spoke to what Rodrigo needed to take at that moment. Cause he was already so struggling with like natural Rodrigo conversation is always going to be, it doesn't feel good. I'm not connecting. And that's what Mozart was saying on his, on his dying day. So you're right. Maybe I, I want to look at it negatively a smidge because it sounded dismissive and I was a little worried about that. But it might be what Rodrigo needed. Like as people, we need that. We need our good friends, our nice friends, our right. go get drunk with friends, all of that. Um, <laughs> oh, and another friend that we do need, uh, you know, friend in our head would be uh, conversations with Maria Menounos, of course, just to let everyone know. We talked about this briefly. Uh, getting better and better. This is a show on Sirius XM. But what they've decided to do was launch a free podcast that comes out every Friday of like the ultimate content and was really good. I was listening to last Friday's free episode. It was with John Taffer. Um, They were talking about the hiring process more for the employer than the employee. But let me tell you, Linda, I took a lot from it as like (laughs) an employee. I'm like, oh, this is what I, these are the things I can be doing. Mm -hmm. And we all know John Taffer is really amazing with the the work he does and he has a new book out. So conversations with Maria Menounos uh, featured through Sirius XM, but of course they're going to launch a podcast every Friday it is free there's a bunch of them I've listened to a bunch of them already and they're pretty good so go um, subscribe on iTunes and do all that stuff that you do do you comment and all that stuff on iTunes sometimes yeah okay good yeah I'm a, I'm a big podcast head so if I feel inspired to I absolutely oh do. we'll have to talk after the show about what you are inspired by and stuff of that nature uh, Gloria and Thomas they uh, get a visit from from Hesby, and um, he is erratic. He's talking about fraud, scrutiny, <laughs> obstruction, but through it all, he has a piece of work that um, he feels he's been doing for eight years. 
um, and he's calling it Asylum. Gloria instantly lights up to this idea. Thomas doesn't seem as welcoming. Thoughts on all this? Well, I mean, him and Thomas are best friends. They grew up together. They grew up in in um, the music industry together, and they've worked together for a long time. So I don't think that he was not excited. I think that he was surprised because it's t- it did take him so long to finish his musical and it, it took him so long. And when he came in, he came in with scraps of paper Ugh, and I loved toilet paper. Distraught. Yeah. And so he was probably just concerned about his friend. Like, okay, are you sure you finished this or are you just going through something? Cause eight years is a long time to, yeah. to try and finally get something together. So I think Laura was excited because she needs something for the symphony, since all this stuff has happened oh between the, the ceiling and the Pope dismissal. So I think she was excited that it was something <laughs> fresh and new. Yeah. Um, it it did, though, inspire Thomas, because then he goes and uh, dips into his creative ideas. Like, the next scene, we see him trying new things, which is really fun. Um, uh, I guess we could jump to that in a second. Um, but we're going to see a lot of the new ideas that he creates, and it sort of becomes a buzz. I guess let's just get right into that part, too. Um, Thomas tries all kinds of new ideas, and they seem to work. Um, Warren go, had went away to the ashram to to be to reconnect of something of that nature. Oh, we're talking. So, are we talking about when when he's when he's at the his queen's uh, fill again? Okay. Yeah, when Cynthia's there, and I think Cynthia's struggling with the hand yet again. Um, I, I'm just more so talking about. Um, I I feel like by him seeing Hesby and seeing Gloria's idea, it just like lit a fire under him. Kind of, kind of a thing. Mostly that. There's not really much else <laughs> other than that. But we do have another problem, which is Haley and uh, Lizzie. Haley, Haley and Lizzie. Um, they're got to look for replacements. And I thought this was the warmest part of the episode. Um, and lo and behold, the replacements are our old friends. Yeah. So as we talked about earlier, her having to uh, fire a friend and roommate. And then the roommate's boyfriend in solidarity quitting her ensemble she now needed to uh find some new people for her ensemble and and it was a warm moment seeing uh union bob come back and warren and dd with his flower pots and it was it was nice to see our old friends from the previous seasons and i think it also allowed Haley to not overstress about the orbit thing because i think even at that point rodrigo's like oh am i in your orbit again is this too much you know it's just natural for rodrigo to always want to help her in so many ways and i think she was like no let's let's like she was in go mode and i really loved her passion in that, in that yeah moment. and i also think it they brought a familiarity like she knows them she's worked with them she knows that they're talented so i think that she was happy that rodrigo you know, encourage them to audition. And it makes me think, is Rodrigo putting so much of his energy into her and then struggling with energy into his own, you know, like looming is the requiem. Before we get to that, though, Rodrigo is back with EGOT and they are um, working on this performance piece. Rodrigo is so charming at the very beginning. But as we see, it just gets destroyed. Thoughts on how that went and did you see it coming? Uh, I definitely did not see it coming, but I I think that uh, it was even surprising to Rodrigo. So for him and Elon to get into it and after Rodrigo say, you know what, I'm walking away from this because you're 
saying that I don't I don't love my girlfriend, which he does, and saying that he doesn't see it, I think that speaks to where Rodrigo is right now in this episode. Yeah. Where it talks because he's not hearing his music, so he's not he's not creating in his mind. He's not creating. So he's focusing all of his attention on Haley and you see it with you know I'm your man I'm the boyfriend I'm here to support you and he's coaching her and you see it in this episode when they he's coaching but they're it's coaching but then they're making love but then they're coaching but then they're making love and so it's all intertwined but his focus is just Haley in this yeah. and so uh taking it back to Egon uh for them to you know not come to blows but to have an argument a disagreement I mean, it, it was a major disagreement. I think it was, well, it was a funny scene, first of all. <laughs> Stop! Uh, funny scene. They were making making fun of him, looking for his wallet. It was just funny, classic Rodrigo and, and just the way it was uh, rolled out. But more than anything, I think it was interesting because in life, we don't always know our perception of how people see us. And so I think Egon was able to like show within the performance art of like, you know, well, would you do this in this situation? And everything was spot on. But mm-hmm. once the highly situation came, it was like Rodrigo just didn't see things the way the audience, which would have been Egon and how they're performing, he didn't see it that way. And it, and it really, like, touched a nerve. All of the, right, you know? Yeah, I mean, he says he doesn't believe it and says he doesn't believe he actually loves Haley, but that he would actually drown without her. I mean, where do, where do you go from that? With that, of course, Rodrigo is going to be offended. Of course, he's going to walk out. And it also, like, poses the question, like, when you love somebody, do you love them? Do you need them? Like, you know, you don't want to be in love based on codependency. <laughs> you want to be in love. And I thought it was great, as you we were talking about the scenes where they're at the house, you know, he comes blaring in, you know, talking about I love you while they're working. And it was, he just wanted to let it be known. I, I do need you. I'm sorry, I don't need you, but I do love you. It's such a difference. But he said, I love you. And he, <laughs> he said, I love you, but you don't need to love me, is what he said. Mm-hmm. And I think he said it because he was scared. This scene with Egon scared him. So he raced back to say, hey, I love you. I want you to know that. <clears throat> and even if you don't love me, <clears throat> I love you. And he wasn't saying it for her. He was saying it for himself because he wanted to believe it because this guy brought doubts into his mind. Is is. It's powerful. He brought doubts. Um, he did, He brought something. Something was very confusing. And, and the most honest thing he could have done in that moment was to, yeah, go let her know. So you're saying... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I won't. I'm saying that, yeah, because if you look at the whole bigger picture, Rodrigo is not focused on anything. He's not focused on his music. Think about season one, two, and three. It was all about the music and his passion for the music. He loses his muse. He is not conducting anywhere on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then he finally finds something that's slightly inspiring for him with uh, Egon. And then Egon is seeing him empty, like an empty shell. And if you look at it, Liberace said the same thing to him in The Muse. And then you have uh, Egon saying the same thing to him in real life. And so, yeah, I think he ran back to Haley to say, I love you, because he was scared. All these people are saying you're sad and you're empty and you don't love your girlfriend. It's not believable. And that's the only thing he's holding on to right now. He's doing nothing else. And I was a little worried prior to that, too, when you did start to see all those scenes, when you started to see him 
you know, doing what he was supposed to, which was coaching Haley and going, doing the performance art with Egon. It was all great stuff. But yeah, you, in the back of all of our minds, you know, you're like, but you're not putting any work into the thing that's actually more challenging. Like, Rodrigo's a talented man. He could do a lot of things. I don't want to say phoning it in, but he could do a lot of things just naturally. He's a very whimsical, fun guy. The one thing that, like, threw him for a loop, he is not even touching. And that was very fun to watch in the context of him also, like, sharing I love you. You know, that that was a cool moment. And I also liked, um, I like seeing couple moments, you know, in the mm-hmm. house. You know, they don't always need to be, you know, at the symphony or, you know, at a right. coffee shop, restaurant. Like, it's the, the warm, like, you know, it implied they, you know, went to bed and had a little fun. It's it great. It was really cute. And I'm not, like, one for this show because of it cutesy. I'm not, like, into that. But it, it was really cute. Um, we also have Thomas, uh, as I was saying earlier, pushing harder at the Queen's Phil. Um, although at this point, because he's trying all these new things, um, he does receive some success. And Gloria, sort of in her own world, she's been receiving gifts, but she does get spazzy a smidge when she um, she gets competitive because I guess the reviews are like, oh, wow, Thomas is taking this crap and making it something. Yeah, I mean, they they're raving about this new his theater and i keep saying brooklyn but i I feel like it might not be brooklyn he's he's in queens it's the the queens phil yeah so taking this philharmonic that no one really knows about and making it special and stand out and people are raving about it meanwhile gloria and the new york uh symphony they're getting bad reviews and yeah there it's kind of sliding so yeah there's gonna be a little bit of tension between the two of them i think it was good because it kind of I mean, perspective-wise, we we all got to think about it in our own lives. It's like, you know, your biggest goal is to be doing all these great things at the New York Symphony, and he had that. And, like, now he's going to another place, and it feels, you know, we've seen the struggle. It's felt like such a a demotion or, like, sort of embarrassing to do. But then when he was able to turn the corner and say, oh, my God, I have a freedom that I didn't have at the New York Symphony. You know, you have more of a space to do other creative things. Yeah, so, he's definitely... Such a the, validation. He's definitely in the second act of his life, and he's he's more... He's free to have more creative space and to do what he wants to do, and he's absolutely doing that, and he's thriving. Yeah. I mean, you think about, like, young Oprah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now she's at such a platform, like, every word she says is so important for inspiration, but mm-hmm. there probably were some episodes when she was, you know, just local, where she can go all these different directions and not have to worry about satisfying so many people. So, um, it was an interesting uh, example, but, you know, thinking about your your where you're at and what you could do with the body of work. So that was really awesome. Um, <laughs> Cynthia had, and, I'm sorry, Gloria hadn't got off the damn um the uh the uh, elliptical until until it uh, uh, until it affects her, her job gloria's kind of like a whimsical character in her own right i love her character i think she's funny yeah. i love that her and thomas are together yeah i'm into it it almost makes me want to go back to earlier seasons to watch when they weren't together not that it was foreshadowing or anything but it's just like oh i can't imagine them not together but mm-hmm. we, we we did have that you know um I always feel so bad for Cynthia and her, and you know she's crumbling. You know she's the 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 one assigned to go and uh, sit sit and sit in, I guess, and do the the waiting table at the uh, the shop in in the Bronx. The kid gets very mouthy to her. He does like not even like mean because mean is one thing, but like misogynistic almost. Wasn't into that. It ended up cute, but come on. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was actually really. It was a teaching moment, so I think that it was important for her, as she was having a breakdown, to also be able to stand up for herself. And it's interesting because I 
read online and I wrote it down because I thought it was really important. The underlying theme of the show was respect. You saw it with Cynthia and the young boy where he was disrespecting her and she turned it around so that he would walk away with respect. You saw it with Haley and her ensemble where she is trying to bring them to where she is. So she starts conducting without words, saying that she can't talk. But really, it was about them listening and respecting her. And then you see it with Gloria and Thomas and their tete-a-tete with his um, symphony rising and hers kind of not rising. So it was interesting that that was the underlying... There was a through line. I yeah, saw that. through all of it, and I thought that that was uh, it was good respect. I also felt the connection and the emotion when Gloria, I'm sorry, Cynthia opens that door and she has that like when you're crying but you're not crying but you're just like breathing in because mm-hmm. you're like holding something. I just personally, I was like, oh, every time I'm extremely frustrated, that's like exactly the feeling that I go through, mm-hmm. you know. So I just I related to it in related that way. Related to it. Um, and you know, it, it was a. It, it did lead to an inspirational part right before she said, "You have to respect me, and I'll do it." But it led to some type of inspiration. I think he connected, like you know, he's getting all these great opportunities. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. The kid. He doesn't need to have this happen for him. So if you're going to do it, you need to even respect the craft. Even you know. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, poor Cynthia. She's. I need. Hopefully next season, if they have a next season, she gets like a love interest or something because it's just really a dark season for her. <laughs> and She's I, going through some things for sure. You talked a second ago about Haley's silent approach. Um, I thought it was great, and I, <laughs> I loved the way you are. You could choose to create the work. You know what I mean? You have that choice. And and however that happened, she was able to connect. And it was I, I liked it. It when I was a younger guy, I think it was like 17, 18, I worked at a parks and recreation and we would coach the youth sports. And I wouldn't I wasn't the best at it because I didn't really like youth sports my damn self as a kid. But it was my job. And I come from a huge sports family, so it was it was it was a thing to do. And I remember like we would create all these things that were like not actually like normal for practice, mm-hmm. but they were really fun and they meant something and the kids really connected to them in that way. For some weird reason, Haley being silent maybe made me feel like the same thing. It was like an un- unorthodox approach to get the message across. And it, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> she, she uh, points at her throat and, and they, they, for a second there, they're like not into it. They don't know what she's doing, but it seemed to work though. Definitely seemed to work. Um, thoughts on Hesby, uh, Warren and Thomas, um, as, as Thomas is luring Hesby to, to premiere the, the work over at his spot instead. Um, I mean, that's what friends are going to do, right? They all have worked together for many, many years. And again, it's about the tension between Gloria and Thomas. And he's on a high right now. So he knows his friends. He knows that he can help make it even more successful. So that's why he was trying to have his friend come over to him. But, you know, that's also his his girlfriend. So really, do you want to do that to your girlfriend? You know that her symphony is struggling already. But, I mean, we haven't talked about the Guggenheim thing, but if you put it in that perspective, it's struggling, and I think that she's struggling being there, and that's why she's allowing herself to be wooed by another company. I think I almost feel, yeah, well, we will get to that part. I think, though, with Thomas's thing, I almost feel like he's in a good place. Why doesn't he just push hard and just create this amazing Queen's fill? Like, why does he, I know he probably wants it, but, like, I don't know. I think, in, like I said, the word worth value earlier, I think I would maybe lay off that and let 
uh, let Gloria have that. Well, obviously, because... I mean, I think we're saying the same thing, <laughs> but again, there's there's the tension there. There's that work tension, and you know, we all have that competitive streak. He should just remember that that's also his girlfriend. So you should want your girlfriend to succeed as well. And if there's an opportunity for her to succeed, then let her have it because you're you're already on the path of success and you're already getting critical accolades. So, you know, let her have it too. We'll jump to that part though, what you're talking about, which is, <laughs> she goes, uh, they were like, uh, I want you Gloria. So it looked like this whole episode was like, Oh, like there was some type of seduction. There was no seduction, but it was, uh, an allure for her to work at the Guggenheim as the executive director. Um, she represented the darn symphony to the fullest, but it did open her arm, her eyes to a whole new world that she could have. Um, would you want her to take it? I mean, I guess that's a weird question because we watched the show Mozart in the Jungle, so obviously we don't want her to leave, but... Um, I think that she probably wouldn't be happy because for her it's about the music too. We have to remember that she's a singer as well, so it is about the arts. Well, I guess the Guggenheim is about the arts too. Um, I think but she's that... But not, she's not a singer though in the show. She just sings... No, Lightfully. I didn't mean that, but she we see her sing, and she, her passion was singing. She just never pursued it. Mm. She uh, went on the business aspect of things. But if you remember from two seasons ago, she was she went on stage, and she was performing, and she was loving it because it was a passion. She just didn't believe in herself that she could make it as a singer. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, so, uh, season two, episode four, so, one of my favorites. Yeah, so she's she's definitely a singer, like she's a creative type. She just happens to work on the business end of things. So I, like, I would hate to see her go, but I also want her to be happy. I'd like it for the idea of it would her her mind seems to be a little limited, not in a bad way, based on how good she does at this job. It's like every single thing that comes in and out is like how she can create better for this job, how the funding could come in, and she does it beautifully. She's the perfect vehicle for all that. Um, but a new job could open up your mind even bigger. So right. that's, change, change is always a good thing. That's uh, not always, but yes, <laughs> sometimes change is. It's just more about the gut. I think more just trusting the gut. What's the long term value? What is it going to bring? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that I'll leave it alone. But Wait. change is always a good thing, whether you like it or not, and you're forced to change, or if it's a voluntary change, you're either learning a lesson. Or you're growing from that experience. So either way, it's a win-win situation. Well, That's why I say it's a good thing. No, no. But it's true. The change is a good thing to, to grow. But I think, like, the the difficult part is, like, deciding if you want to abandon something for something else. You know, I think you – I like the idea of not going for change. I like the idea for saying, I'm going to stick with this. Like, I feel like I'm – you know, because change is going to always be a good thing. Change is guaranteed. Like, oh my God, there's so much newness to it. You know, so lesson blah blah blah. I get all that, but I like the idea of like. I only say that because a lot of times in life, people do always moving around, going around. You know, changing, 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 changing. I like sometimes when you are forced to stay within the situation at hand and really just push through. That's all. Um, I love the way the episode ended. It seemed like there was a lot of different things that could have uh, messed with Haley. But, you know, with, with the uh, the scout was there and, and all these different things. Rodrigo's just talking, talking, talking. But the only thing that gets Haley a little flustered was the father was there. Mm-hmm. And bravo for her for acknowledging it and being able to get that breakthrough that she needed. Because my concern was every time she would go for an audition, and this has been in the history of her career as an oboist and now as a conductor, is that she uh, chokes at the very end and she was and it was because there was that block of either letting her father down or 
feel like she wasn't good enough because her father pushed her so much. And she was able to acknowledge mm-hmm. that his, he was there and then just kill it. And she did phenomenal. And I thought that that was her breakthrough for whatever change she had that was holding her back from her dad. So it was wonderful to see. Oh, I loved it. And I love, I think a couple of the episodes on Mozart in the Jungle, they end like cold. Just, just you know, the left the work to spill on the table. And that was one of those ones where I was like, oh. Like, yeah. I'm watching it. It was like, you know, in the back of your mind, it's a little, you go, girl, or something. It was just so, so intense. Yeah. And, the, and then, you know, the next episode uh, kicks in. Oh, and for the record, note-wise, you know, when we do these recaps, we are making our announcements based on, like, what we saw. Like, at this point, we've only seen episode five and six. So if you've seen the other episodes and you've already, like, seen these directions of the people... We have not yet. <laughs> yeah, we haven't binge forward. We've not cheated. Yeah. We just have watched what we've watched so far. Although these two episodes were the ones I wanted to so badly because I'm left hanging. Anything else you want to cover from that one? Because I know we do need to move on and you have some news as well. Nope, we're good. We can move on. Okay. So we're going to move on to some news and gossip, uh, specifically about our season four. The first thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, will there be a season five of Mozart in the Jungle? What do you think? Yes. I was saying no at the beginning, uh, not only because I thought it ran its course, but because, you know, it doesn't really get like a huge amount of support, but I just think it's done so well and... I think there's a there is a benefit for Amazon to create the show. Um, it it has a slow burn, but it has a, a cult following. Uh, the series is most likely going to return. Oh yeah, uh, which is the rumor. But the return is going to take <coughs> a bit longer, more than a year, to reach the screen, as the gap between season three and season four was about thirteen months. So we're looking at another year and a bit out before we ne- we would see uh, a season five, but. At least they're talking about the season five. Linda, and if I may, I think that's well worth it because one of the things I forget about this show is it does seem like it's a bigger budget, you know? Well, it's absolutely a bigger budget because they're always location-based. So yeah. they're in Italy. This season they're in Japan. So Mexico, Mexico the first, you know, yes. second season. So it takes some time. Yeah. It takes some time to well develop them. Absolutely. Uh I have a picture of Lola Kirk's Instagram that I would love to throw up there. So there's Lola. She posted this uh, very recently. She is starring in a new movie called Love Minus 40, directed by uh, Harry Israelson and debuting at the Tribeca Film Festival. So I think that it's going to be great to see her do something else as well, because I love her as an actress. And... I didn't know, but I learned that she's sisters with Jessa, Jessa yeah. Jonathan. No, uh, well, which is the girl's character. Her Jamie, name is Jamima. Jamima, Jamima Kirk, Jemima. which is Jessa Johnson from Girls. So I thought that that was cool. Like the sisters are doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wonder what the difference between how much they wanted to act. Because Lena Dunham had said that she was a childhood friend with uh, Jamima. So it was more like she kind of pushed her to do the role. Whereas I wonder if Lola was a different different type of person where she, you know, all, was more passionate about acting. I wonder, just to, you know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, Lola, fun fact, guys. Lola learned to play the oboe for her role in uh, Mozart in the Jungle, which I think is, like, so amazing. Like, you really have grasped your character if you're actually going to take the time to actually learn the, the instrument. And Cynthia learned to play the cello for her role as well. Oh, nice. So they're actually, they can actually play these instruments. Oh, there they are. 
Yes. Oh, okay. This looks like a couple years back, a little younger, younger of an age. The sisters. Yeah, I think they come from, from what I've read, like a really artistic family, like yep. across the board. So yeah, her dad, their dad was in a band. Don't can't remember the name of it, but dad's in the band, and mom owns like um like a costume shop, and she used to costume for Sex in the City. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I always wonder what it would be like to grow up in like an artistic family. I grew up in a blue collar, sports loving family, and I was not into it. Yeah. <laughs> so I am who I am now. Um, I thought a fun fact about this season is Malcolm McDonald told uh, uk that he took his son with him to Japan while they filmed because neither him or his son had ever been to Japan. And he just let his son go off and experience the arts. He said his son spent a lot of time karaoke playing the guitar, and exploring the city. So I thought that was really special because he was away for a while, mm -hmm. shooting and working, <coughs> but he was able to spend time with his son the whole time, which is great. Yeah. And last fun fact right now. Actually, I have two more. So last fun fact, Jason Schwartzman, who's one of the creators and producers mm -hmm. of the show, um, I didn't know, and I had to go back to the season. He appears in several of the episodes yeah. of season three. Boyfriend. He was, yeah, Bradford Sharp. He was the uh, podcast host he was and Li documentary filmmaker. Lizzie's boyfriend. He was, yeah, the podcast host in, in the documentary was that very instrumental. I think it was season three, episode seven or eight. Mm -hmm. That that uh, one off episode that they had that was all full documentary when they went to the prison. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. Yeah, I, I just I never knew that. I, I found it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to rewatch it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. He's also like a professional actor. He's been in some uh, Wes Anderson films as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's a monster. I Rushmore, yeah. I think, is was one was uh like he stars in that Wes Anderson film it's a very early okay. uh, uh work yeah. yeah I think that's great has it's anyone awesome. watched Bored to Death on HBO I like Ted Danson and he's in that too I might I might give that and I think it's Galifianakis too. I actually saw like the first season of that yeah I, I, I can give I that a keep spin. up but it, it was a it was a decent show <laughs> okay um you you know what I want you to do Anthony say get uh, Gael's name because I like how you say it. Gael Garcia Bernal. Yes, oh, gosh. That, that is like, I love it. So, anyways, <laughs> he has a movie that came out uh, January of this year called The Kindergarten Teacher, and it's about uh, a poet who's also a teacher. And I was looking to find uh, some trailers, but he doesn't appear in any of the trailers. But it has excellent reviews. It's available on Amazon. So you guys, if you love him, you should check it out. He was also in something recently about a year ago was within crossing the border of some sort. Um, the One of the programs I work on, I remember we, we did a segment on on it. I wasn't responsible for it, but I saw enough of it. Mm -hmm. So that also looked really uh, instrumental. And he was pretty much one of the leads in that too. Cool. Yeah. Check him out. And then I wanted to close with uh, him singing Remember Me from Coco from the Oscar performance. So I pulled up the video and, you know, this guy is just so talented. Actor, singer. We're watching. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye. Remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. <clears throat> I sing a secret song to you. Each night we are apart. It's like he's singing directly to me. I love it. He is. I saw this one when I watched the Oscars. Though I have to travel far, remember me. 
Each time you hear a sad guitar, know that I'm with you the only way that I can be. Until you're in my arms again, remember me. Love it. So we can stop it there, but I just think he's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of yeah. his. That was actually a really great performance as well because I think it went on to have Miguel and uh, Natalie Laforcade in that as well. Yep. So um, beautiful. some beautifulness going on over there. Um, Domo Arigato. So we're going to episode number six. Um, we uh, let's see. Any first thoughts on how we get there? Are you like surprised that she she made the uh, the jump or no? Just, not at all. It's part ready. of her journey. Absolutely, it's totally part of her journey that that she would she would make it to Japan. Um, so we see the like opening ceremonies of some sort. Uh, it's the Fukumoto conducting competition. Uh, so of course we'll see Fuku or Fugu as uh, uh, Betty Cragadale says, which was which is really cute. Um, opening ceremonies were uh, good. One quick note: Did you get shocked when the gentleman came up and said Rodrigo is dead? Almost hostile. Well, wh- how did that strike you right away? Yeah, it was shocking because we didn't know what, and we still don't know even at the end of this episode what that is about. Yeah, it, it took away from a really good moment, um, but everyone kind of shakes it off. Um, uh, Rodrigo, let's see, where, where do we go? Uh, I guess the really funny thing about that aspect was just that Betty was there and Gloria wasn't having it, and that's going to build up to some type of tension between the two of them. The... The guy that was screaming, Rodrigo's dead? That guy? No, no. I'm saying while they're... No, I'm saying they're having the opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. And while they're there, they're also all seeing each other and saying hello and kind of getting getting ready for the event. Um, that was just a quick blip. That's that's over. <laughs> but it's not over because that guy approached them twice, right? Yeah, no, no. Later... Oh, do you want to go right to that Oh, part no, of I'm their... just saying, like, we just still don't know what that is about. No, not at that point. Yeah. I'm only going off the opening ceremony part. Okay. And right now, for the opening ceremony part, it's more that was weird. Yeah. While everyone's really optimistic and excited, and okay. Hades getting to know some of the other um, contestants, okay. and they are very much more experienced. So she kind of struggles with that. And she also struggles with um, people know her through Rodrigo. And I guess he's like, you know, f- has a famous name out there. So a little bit of a struggle with that. Um, and then we have Betty Crocodile who was there, which was like a big shock. You know, that's what I was saying. Big shock to Gloria. Um, Gloria goes right into her, her helmet of, oh, let me see how we can make this work. You know, whatever it's going to take to get them to give us the donor money. So, um, that was a little bit of the opening scene. Did anything strike you in, in any of that? No, I thought it was great that Betty is dating him and is flying in the private jet and you're starting to see all these couples form. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we also get to see um, this really fun old fling that Thomas is going to uh, be deflecting all episodes, so that was really cool. And we always want something for Gloria to be mad about, um, which is really, really cute. Uh, Rodrigo is going to learn that uh, from Fukumoto that, yes, you're going to do the Requiem, and there's a, a new new ending to it, and there's some magical composer. Um he just doesn't even really pay attention to it until he gets um, to that face-to-face moment with, with what we learn is Wham. So mm-hmm. Wolfgang, Amadeus, Mozart as a robot. What in the world? I, I thought the whole thing was crazy. I think that um, them, you know, putting that thing on his head to try to, like, find the blood and 
it being AI and, and yes, it, AI is the future, but there are some things that, you know, I think that you have to be special and take emotion and definitely music does that. At least it does that for me. I thought there was some decent intentions. I mean, I think I think people, especially performers, always get really frustrated with technology because half the time it either takes away jobs or, you know, disseminates creativity. The only thing that, like, seemed to be interesting, I don't know why he said it, Fukumoto said, if we want classical music to last, this is maybe one of our foreseeable ways for that to happen. So I don't know why he was assuming that Wham! would be that ticket, other than the fact that maybe because Wham! was able to compute on how to finish it. Was was that why? I, that part left me as, like, trying to see the devil's advocate, but also, like, oh, man, I mean... Well, I think he was saying that the future is all, is all technology, and he was coming from an engineer point of view, and I think that he thinks that in the future, like going to the symphony and making music and being a musician is going to be dead, and these AIs are going to be able to compile all the old music that we have and then finish it or complete it or make new music from what we had in the past. So I think it's a very pessimistic way to look at creative life yeah um but i get what he's saying because technology is the future yeah he had a funny way about it where i like watched the the part of the episode and i was like i understood what he was saying but i also like was like oh man that's not fun you know that's like that's not like the essence of it Mm -hmm. um and so rodrigo of course will struggle with that and um i did like to see it was really funny to see him look at wham and see a rodrigo (laughs) inside the wham uh interface that was a cute moment you know in, in this in the sense that like what was interesting is when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, they like computed what Rodrigo would be like. So, But they like did it. It was off. It was like not Rodrigo. It felt like it could have been Rodrigo. Like I think they had him say, yes, 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 yeah. Like because that's what you feel like Rodrigo would say. But no, not the essence. Not the essence at all. Mm-hmm. Nice try. There's the conflict with that, you know, trying to get the funding. So it's important to grovel, I guess, at this point to Fukumoto. But not for, but not for Rodrigo. Like he knows that he has to <laughs> perform this requiem. But I think outside of that, he feels that he doesn't have to do anything else. Meaning what? Well, it's Gloria's job to get the money and the funding. All he has to do is perform this requiem that this guy wants him to perform and and just be like amenable to some of the things that he says, but it's not his job to get the money. It's Gloria's job. He yeah. just has to be amenable to whatever it is that they're asking him to do, which we find out in this episode that he's not really amenable to, and it starts to show when he meets Wham. Yeah, yeah. Uh- I think he has mixed – I mean, yes, it's, no, it's not his responsibility at all. That's what makes Gloria so good at that job. Um, but he's starting to have a responsibility in in some of the things he does. You know, he does talk about, oh, I need to work on – with the Children's Symphony. I mean, there's a lot on his plate. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's into – he's very much into it still. Um, okay. You know, I think. <laughs> um Let's see. We have. Did you just end a sentence with okay? I did because I, I don't feel, agree I like with you, I, but I'm like, why are we not agree? This is the first show that we are just I, not agree. I, I don't understand it. Okay, I understand. A, oh no, I saw it differently. I totally understand. I saw it differently. I don't ever understand an okay. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I mean, <laughs> elaborate, I'm, I'm girl. Saying, I'm saying I don't think that. F- Rodrigo's ever cared about the money. I don't think he's ever cared about the financing. We see that with him not realizing how to pay rent because he's paying with trinkets. We see that with him um, starting the children's uh, orchestra and going to the bank and saying, well, I have Mozart 
behind me. So I don't think he's ever cared. And I still think he doesn't care. I think that he's just appeasing Gloria right now. And even appeasing her was not, he wasn't 100% with it. Like, yeah. we see what happens with this AI character and him like, no, 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 you can't, you're not, you don't have blood. How can you understand the blood, the love of the music? Um, so that's why I said, okay. Cause I was like, yeah, he has like, I, he has like a, it feels like he has more of a responsibility than I've seen in other times. I feel like he's growing up on a, on some type of level. Hate, hate it or not. Like he's, he, I don't know. It just, it just seems like to me, like he's talking about it more like, Oh, I do have to do that. You know, in oh god, I have to. I think he's he's at the hotel after they see some of the other uh, performers and contestants, and you know oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. Really, the only thing I want to do is be with you, my girlfriend. So it just seems like he's less flighty than he usually is, less whimsical than he is. So maybe me, a great word. me to say he cares. I'm not like no, he's not losing sleep over that. Um, he only loses sleep over things that are integrity driven, not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what you need to do to right. better. The only thing that I would think he would ever lose, lose sleep for in that, in that case would be if it affected the children. I think the children is the one space that he's like, you know, if I said something I need to do, I will do it because yeah. we have to get the money yeah. somehow. <laughs> um, we see the beginning of the, uh, the, um, the the competition round one. Um, that's when we learned that um, Thomas was like the man back in the day. Yeah, he was so cute, and it just makes like it just makes a you know a little light competition in the end. Yeah, a big competition in the end, a funny competition in the end, especially when they went for uh, that. What is it, eighteen course meal, and they were on course yeah. nine. Yeah. It was super funny. To and me. they always say you're supposed to be like you know more subtle, but that lady was not subtle. She was not subtle at all. Um, we see a couple of the performers. We see how Haley does. She's just in her element. It's just like you know, she's she, if this was a baseball game, she you know hit a hit a single and now she hit a double. Like she's just yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. And it was actually great to see the other conductors, like young conductors, kind of doing their thing as well. And I was so proud of her in that moment because one of the con- uh, conductors and contestants said this was like his seventeenth time. Yeah, he came in third, and one of the ladies had come in second, and then this is her first time, and she's you know she's in, and that just shows how far she's come on her journey. I think a second ago you were talking about things that had gotten to her, and how uh, at the end of last episode, the coach episode five, she just was really razor focused. I think those tools carried over into this episode. Absolutely. Cause that kind of that's kind of hard. Like you have, well, what did you think was hard about it? Because I have two things. I think that she, for, well, just to jump off what you were saying, she had her breakthrough, and her breakthrough made her laser focus for this. And I think for her, the hard part is again not being in Rodrigo's orbit and not being only known as you know the girlfriend, being taken seriously as a conductor and a talented one at that. And then also being abroad, being somewhere foreign and being in a competition. Those are all things that combined can, can be nerve wracking. I think a weaker individual or even all of us on our own occasion, I've had times where I've like talked myself out of a situation and it could have been so easy to do that, especially when they're, you know, oh, you're like, you know, almost like telling, almost insinuating because Rodrigo's here. That's why you're here. You get special treatment. So I was so proud of her. In that moment, absolutely, she she definitely earned it, and I loved seeing them um, together in the hotel having this moment. But like, so good for Rodrigo to say, "Let's just get out and see the darn city." It was, yeah. it was important, and it's beautiful for us as viewers to see Tokyo. You know, um, I'm not sure if you've been. I've I not, have. I've not. I've not been. So I have. I've, I actually lived in Tokyo for a while. 
Is that a true story? It's a very true story. Oh my god! Keep talking. <laughs> uh, long story short, I I uh, won a high school competition. My twelfth year, I represented Vancouver, BC, and went over and lived with the host family for half a year and did schooling there in Osaka. And I would go down to Tokyo every weekend for Karajuko. Um, so yeah, I've been to Japan. Oh my god! Can I get a high five, please? <laughs> That's the really cool, the, the the most interesting story. I like had no clue that you had such an experience that kind of could match some of these these, these yeah, moments. I, it, yeah, they have. They and, did. and we have been talking about episodes this whole season, and you, like we knew Tokyo was coming. You never mentioned that to me, I mean, you know. or I never heard it. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, then how did you take their blissful seeing Tokyo? Did you just absolutely love to see it? I I mean, all the things that they're seeing is is like that. Tokyo is a city that is very uh, technologically forward, Mm -hmm. but then they have the amazing gardens (laughs) that you just feel like you're in the middle of the wilderness, even though you're in the city. Um, And they, they, there are so many people there that, you just really have to be aware of yourself and and be okay with that because you're on the move. It's like New York City times 100. Yeah. You're going, going, going. They're pushing you into the trains, closing the doors, and you're side by side with someone like right here, face to face. Yeah. But the city and the history and the culture, mm. the people, uh, amazing, beautiful. That is so great. I really feel like I'm, uh, whatever we say before or after, this is really good news. That's really, really makes me feel more attached to this, this episode yeah. because you've lived it. Um, Rodrigo was very, you know, known and we would see like the, the people in the background were kind of staring at him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he was visible and, you know, it wasn't like they were walking as two strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, they come out of the tower records and she's just in, in total mesmeration that, there's a, an entire classical music section. And then right above that, we see, you know, uh, Rodrigo and uh, Alessandra's, some of their work, yeah. some, of their, some of their signage. So at that point, you're really realizing he is such a big deal. Um, and, and just to jump on that, you know, it was special that this brought this to mind when you were saying that. Do you remember when Haley came out of the competition and there were those like four young girls? Yeah. They had the newspaper article of her. And even though she couldn't read it, she saw her face and they wanted her autograph. I thought that was so empowering for, you know, young girls to have this young woman and look up to her. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, as a maestra. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we kind of intertwine a little bit at this point with um, what's going on with the uh, with Fukumoto and, and the uh, old fling and all that. But real quick, let's stay focused on Rodrigo and Haley because they're um, going to a certain location where they could take in the music. You're not supposed to say a word. Mm-hmm. While they're there, they see two of the other students. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, contestants. It's a competition, contestants. Yeah, contestants. And um, that is when Rodrigo starts to learn more about that shock that we learned early on, which was Rodrigo dead. Um and so we learned that it's more about how did you take it? It was more about um that they think he's artificial now? Is that is that how they're interpreting it? I I mean, I don't I don't understand <laughs> it yet. I'll I'll say that. I don't understand exactly what this guy's problem is cuz he jumps from saying that you let me down to uh you're fake and you're dead ever since you cut your hair, which is what you're saying like you're 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 a fraud, you're not really Rodrigo, but like, what is your, what are you talking about? Mm. Be more specific. 
you know I, what I mean? I didn't know. I, and that's why I'm so glad we get to have this conversation because I was like, I thought maybe it was along the lines of it's somebody they idolized and they feel like he was a little bit of a sellout and he has lost his essence. So once you cut your hair, you weren't the Rodriguez. But but even so, that's a lot of passion to tell somebody. Like, how that's do you... bizarre. And, and to say you're dead? Like, yeah. really? That's... There's something else going on that we just don't know about, I feel. Yeah. And even the note was so cryptic, like when they were translating it to him. That was it was a cryptic note. And then when he threw the <laughs> when he threw the baton <laughs> at him. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the the, the, so the comic stuff that goes on on this episode, it is never lost on me. Like mm-hmm. it's just like I feel like I try to tell people like when they describe the show, it's like I'm like, I guess it's a comedy. It's like it's not a comedy, but if you were to record me like watching the show, you'd hear me ooh, ooh, like all the time because they just hit you with all these yeah, things. Yeah, they have a happy balance between the drama and the comedy for sure. Um, let's speed along because so anyways that opens up our mind to what the heck that means uh, for a moment I think it's also playing on that idea that Rodrigo doesn't want to do things that don't satisfy the artistic integrity like mm-hmm. I feel like it could be a seed in his head it might just be something bizarre in Tokyo we don't know uh, moving along we do got to talk briefly about uh, the karaoke scene that is coming off the restaurant scene and uh, this is uh, just just the cutest scene why don't you take it away here because this is the cutest thing uh, ever. okay so Gloria has some competition with Margot and Margot's an old friend <laughs> of Thomas they're all sitting down um, and having sushi and Margot is feeding uh, Thomas Gloria doesn't like that she flicks some sushi at her some drama <laughs> happens they have like a little tat 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 and then Gloria is somehow challenged to uh, sing karaoke. And so she goes up there and she nails it. These boots are made for walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she nails it. But what was interesting, too, is that she's also trying to get uh, Ferlajuko's um, uh, Fugu, yeah. attention, yeah. right? Because it's all about the money at this point. And Betty comes up there because now Betty is dating him. And so they have a like a weird, like they're having fun singing the song, but it's also a competition for attention, which I thought was like perfectly played. It was fun and dramatic at the same time. And I love when people of a certain age get to be like, they're constantly responsible. Once you get over, you're over 35, you're you know, good or bad. You're always responsible, but we're still people and they're all of a certain age, but they had to sort of, leave their cool and be in the moment and that's what i really liked and it was almost like chaos because you had you're right you had gloria's goofy mindset i'm gonna do this so fukumoto can make sure that he signs right away so so there's her manipulate not manipulation but like you know she's always about her business best lady to do this job executive director but then you have oh but while i'm up there i'm gonna i'm gonna use the most glorious song ever which you know boots made for walking and almost like a little seduction to thomas because margo homegirl yeah, yeah. margo is like you know trying to swoop her man but betty Cragadale felt like this was a great moment for her to just just Shine. let loose and i love their little bickering and their little pushing i think that extends later on when you know betty Cragadale gets the shoes throws them on the ground so i i can always live for a little gloria betty Cragadale uh fighting because i love yeah. both characters yeah, you know it's great um uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, as we wrap up, um, we have um, the performance. Let's get right to the performance. Was there anything else that we missed right in there? I think that we've covered the majority of it. Okay, we'll do the performance because the ending ending is the funniest part. But uh, 
performance. Uh, he he Rodrigo like talked about what was going to happen, but he had a lot more negatives than he did positives. Mm-hmm. So should not be um, in good confidence with Fukumoto. Uh, which was like those awkward scenes you'd see with all of them. Right. So he does, uh, he performs or conducts the part that he wants to perform of the Requiem and that's it. That's all. And then... Oh, you're talking about the, at the on the bridge by the water? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to make one quick little moment though while they're still talking because this was the part that really got me like, you know, what the hell? So while Rodrigo's sitting there and the entire audience is in disbelief of what's going on with this Wham conductor, not a nod to Wham from George Michael, which I thought was also funny, um, they're all reacting in a certain way. And so it was weird that Fukumoto, not weird, but it was really cute that Fukumoto was so into it and he was saying all these great things. And I think one of the reactions uh, that I love the best of Rodrigo in a lot of the seasons where he just really leaned in and he said, I'm just curious to see how a robot audience will react. I thought that was just so powerful. Mm. And it's like, it just makes me think about all the times where people in our day and age, we don't like live, but we live through social media. Like we create a living. It just made me feel like that same exact feeling where mm. I get so mad. And I know that sometimes you have to be on your phone at t- in a social setting, but gosh, when it happens all the time, it's like, wow, you're living a great created life. And the robot really represented that to me. I was like, ah, like I understand what Fuku was saying, but it, I would have said the same thing. I'm curious to see how a robot audience would react to this because it's bullshit. We are running out of time, so I just want to talk about the ending scene where the AI Wham uh, confronts Rodrigo. They have a thing at the bridge, and at the end of the episode, we see that the AI is going over the bridge, and that's how it ends. <laughs> yeah, no rationalization. Um, Stuff will hit the fan, we assume, next episode. Let's jump into predictions, because that was really funny. Predictions. After Buzz TV predictions. Uh, because we're short on time, I will just say this. I think that uh, next episode, I am predicting that there's going to be some type of fight between Gloria, Betty, and I don't know why I'm saying his name wrong all the time, but Fukumoto. Uh, uh, well, she calls him Fugu, Fukumoto. Yep. Yeah, that's my prediction. Uh, vaguely, I think there'll be a, a, a nice consequence for Rodrigo. I feel like there will actually be some type of a jolt, maybe something that makes him change his direction. Change is good. Um, it will, will definitely be more than a slap on the wrist for throwing the damn. You know, they don't know he did it though. Oh, good idea. Okay, how well, do they know? How do we know that? It's only him and the AI on the okay, on but the something bridge. true, but something might get affected. Like Rodrigo's such an honest person, maybe he'll take that information, give it to Haley. Not like Haley would rat him out, but like it's going to change him in some way. Okay, yeah, fair. And actually, we have not watched the episodes yet, so <laughs> just keep tuning in. Uh, do you want to say your social media? I'm um, Linda. So girly all across social media. If you want to continue the conversation, you're watching the show, you're loving the show. Please hit me up. Okay, cool. Uh, at randomly RJ. Thank you, Anthony, in the booth. That is the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.